Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my lovely and talented wife. It's summertime, 4th of July. Shell, how are you? Doing good. We got okay. Tyler back with us. What yeah, up? yeah. Back from paternity leave? Is that what you call it, Tyler? Did you say prison? Prison. <laughs> He's on parole. So. Are you glad to are you glad to be back in office after a couple of weeks with the with the newborn or Absolutely. is it hard to leave? I mean it's a little bit of both, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to yeah. be here. Like the second week I was like on edge a little bit, but I could still be a little helpful. But then by the end yeah. of the second week I was ready to I definitely couldn't never not have a job. What so. what yeah. the, what day was it? You came in here early. Was it Monday? He's like, I've never seen Tyler here that early. <laughs> he was, I was like, Oh yeah, he must be ready to go back to work. Uh, yep. <laughs> I know what that is. Two weeks of no sleep will do that. You're like, ah, I got to go to the office. I'm, t- I'm trying to figure out how to get a couch in my office. Yeah. The logistics out yet? But. <laughs> you could use mine. I'll, I'll <laughs> come in here. Keep the lights off. Tyler's in there taking a nap. <laughs> This weekend is Fourth of July weekend. It is big barbecue weekend. You think yeah. everybody's firing the grills up? I would say so. You really don't even have to put any coals on them here in Mississippi right now. I mean, we are <laughs> it is so freaking hot outside. Yeah. yeah, is it going to be this hot all weekend? Yeah, okay. it's. Supposed, I mean, it's top at hundred. Yeah. What'd you tell me the uh, heat index yesterday? One twelve. One twelve. It was that was about what time? Three o'clock. We were coming back. Yeah. Smokehouse, and I was like, I, I just happened to look because I sit, we were sitting at a red light there, and it's like it's so hot. It's like the AC don't even want to cool things down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, what temperature is it? The car says just a hundred, and I looked on the weather app, and it was like you know one hundred and one heat index of one twelve to one fourteen. I was like, man, that's freaking hot. It's the kind of hot when you go outside, you get mad. Like you're yeah. mad, yeah. you have to be outside. <laughs> it's like you can't breathe. It's just it like hits you as soon as you walk out the door. We put. New side down around the smokehouse where all the ground was tore up, and that's man, that's a fight trying to keep that stuff watered and not burn up. This then this heat, I don't even know if it's going to work. I, I think we should have waited till like <laughs> let's let that dirt sit there for a while. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's green right now, but who knows? You're having to, we're having to water it almost around the clock. Um, we went to St. Louis this past week. We did we checked that, out a Cardinals game. Man, that was a lot of fun. And we found a place called the Peacemaker Lobster and Crab. Highly, highly recommend. We want to talk about what, what was the type? So first of all, we got some oysters, some raw oysters. Yeah, they were well fleet oysters. That was they had three or four different species, and the guy kind of told us, you know, do you do you like a briny oyster? You want medium? How do you want it? And you said you like them briny. Heck yeah, I want to taste those. So I was like, okay, I'll try them. I'm, I'm not a. I mean, most time most oysters I eat are Gulf oysters. Yeah. I mean, I guess some of the best ones that I remember those murder points from down there in Alabama. But uh, these were, I don't know where Will, I guess I'm, I'm guessing Will Fleet are like Northeastern. I, I think so. Cold, cold I think water. all theirs were Northeast. Yeah. But man. They're a smaller lo- or a smaller oyster. Yeah. It's a, yeah. They were. They're about the size of, I don't know, a little bit bigger than a quarter, yeah. maybe. Because the Gulf oysters will be huge. Yeah. Some of them are two or three biters. Yeah. <laughs> these are, but man, they tasted. Phenomenal! Like <laughs> they're some of the better oysters yeah, I've had lately. That's what I, I was like. Can you believe we're getting these in St. Louis, Missouri? Not even anywhere near like <laughs> yes. mid America as you could get. <laughs> and they had oysters that good. Tyler, the lobster. They had lobster rolls, so we had to try those. Yeah. I've never ordered a lobster roll at a restaurant. That was my first lobster roll. Yeah, I got mine Connecticut style. 
and which is delicious. <laughs> what? Uh, it's so it's like a little toasted. It's like a brioche hot dog bun. Yeah. And they kind of cut the edges on it so they can toast it, and then they just took lobster meat and dunked it in perfectly mel- cooked lobster. perfectly cooked lobster meat. Dunked it in melted butter and drizzled more melted butter on top, and that was it. No filler, no nothing. Lobster meat on this little toasted brioche smothered in butter. And I don't even know how to describe how good it was. <laughs> they uh, they had some Old Bay on the table. Some Old Bay yeah. and some hot sauce on, on every table. So That's legit. Yeah. yeah. That's when you know. And then you got, what's what style do I they call the it? They call it main style, I guess. Which was mayonnaise, dill, chives or something tarragon, like that. Tarragon probably. Yeah, usually maybe one. tarragon. Yeah, I didn't even like try that. yours. But, but So what did you think about it? It was really good. It was what, delicious. Above the two, because you, you did try mine. Which one did you like I better? I don't know. The Connecticut style was pretty good. I didn't even know there was a difference in styles. Not that crazy. Yeah. 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 No kidding. I just yeah. thought it was lobster oil. <laughs> and the bread was perfect. It was like soft, but crushed, a little crunchy on the outside. I will say this. Lobster rolls are not cheap. That <laughs> <laughs> was the most expensive lunch we've ever had. Like $37 for a lobster roll. <laughs> the closer you go east, the yeah. less expensive. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. We were in Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> but Michael had crab legs, and he said they were phenomenal. I got a, I got a lobster boil, which lobster boil to me I was thinking like shrimp you know how do you do a shrimp boil it's going to be potatoes corn sausage you know stuff like that and then it'll be a lobster well they said do you want us to shell it for you because I guess it was just going to be a whole lobster they're just going to give you a lobster yeah but I and the only reason why I order it is because I you know I kind of watch when stuff comes out of the kitchen and other people are getting it <laughs> and they set this down in front of this this other guy that was sitting at the table by us and I was like oh what is that shell. And so I asked our waiter, and he's going, that's the lobster bowl. And I said, I want that. And he said, well, he got his shell. We shelled it in the back for him. He said, some people like it. It's like an extra 15 bucks. I was like, ah, yeah, go ahead. Why not? You we don't only live one yellow, right? <laughs> yeah. I never shelled a whole lobster. I mean, I can figure it out, I think. <laughs> but I think you could get my up thinking was, yeah. so if you pay them to do it, they're going to bring you out the perfect piece of lobster. Now, they're not going to send something out all mangled up and overcooked, I would think. Yeah. Well, it came out. It was like two beautiful claws and a tail. And a tail and a little bit of other meat that came yeah. out of it, I guess. But I don't know. Like, I've had lobster. I had a bunch. I've never really been like, oh, this is the best meat in the world or whatever. Yeah. It's just lobster. I'm like, you know, shrimp's probably better. Yep. Crab legs are way better to yep. me. But it's lobster. So, you know. And so this lobster, I see why lobster is some of the, you know, hot, most expensive stuff. Because yeah. it was absolutely, it was Melt in your mouth, soft. It wasn't tough and chewy like I've had some, and it was – that that place blowed me away. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's called Peacemaker Lobster and Crab in St. Louis, and I think they have like two locations. One's in like Tulsa, Oklahoma, and one's here in St. Louis, which <laughs> I don't know the correlation there. But if you're in that area, highly recommend going and get – And you got a little extra change in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would, and it's like in this little bitty neighborhood – like you would not. It's not what you would expect. It's. I mean, it's like a little seafood house. Speaking of little neighborhoods, did y'all go to the hills? Like no the little no. Italian. Pl- oh no no no! Yeah. That I've was the only. About that. So we were there. It was only a two nighter. Yeah. And the first night we stayed there in Ballpark Village and just kind of you know checked out the little bars and. Yeah, we got some wings. There, watched you know? the uh, college. Watch LSU yep. win the college world that series. That was awesome. Heck yeah! Well, the hills is just like this little Italian village for those of y'all that don't know. And like 
it's so authentic. Like me and my wife went to eat at Antonio's Taverna, I believe it's called. Super like uh, their St. Louis style toasted raviolis, and they're so good. And then they're obviously like their pastas and stuff are really good. But it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Greek and Italian mix. Like they have spanakopita and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was like really interesting. But we parked on the street, and there's like families like yelling at each other through the front porch like hey ma and it's just, <laughs> you're like i feel like i'm like in little italy right <laughs> i've always heard that st louis has a great like italian scene i, yep. I saw a carmine steakhouse that was downtown yeah. i want to go to someone told you that one was a little yeah. pricey but yeah next well, time that's where i like to spend my money <laughs> fancy restaurant. we went to the aquarium at union yeah. station yes you know michael got to touch some animals there <laughs> they had this tank full of I don't know what they were I think they were like the Mexican fish that come up and clean your feet but you put your hands down in it and they just like flog to you and start nibbling on you they, when you it's still, a weird feeling so most people they stick their head down in there you get like five or six fish you know mm-hmm. Malcolm stuck his hand down in there and it was like Ooh. swarm <laughs> I was like I must be extra salty or something I did drink some minerals that morning you think that's what it was like <laughs> 92 essential minerals coming out they were like, yeah, it freaked me out. I got my hand out of there quick. I was like, I was, I was expected a few, you know, <laughs> not 10,000. What else did, there was a stingray tank and a. They had a lot of stuff to touch. Sea anemones. Yeah. Jellyfish. I didn't know you could touch jellyfish. If they had a tank of jellyfish you could touch. I, I didn't, touch, I didn't touch them. Michael yeah. did. That's a little scary. I know. Yeah. They didn't have like, they had little tentacles, but. Um. So this week you cooked butcher paper ribs for your YouTube That's, video. I, that, I did. I wanted. I really just was wanting some good ribs to eat. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason why I did them. Because when so I you know, when we we cook ribs to eat, we don't do all the glazing and Most you know the time, all yeah. the stuff in the wrap and all you know because that's more of a competition style and. You get tired of eating. I mean, you'll glaze them sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, but you don't do the heavy, thick, mm-hmm. sweet. Most of the time, but when I when I eat a rib, I want the I want a really good bark on the outside, and I like the drier style rib, which you get with butcher paper. But the te- it's it's a texture thing, and so like for me, if I'm gonna cook the perfect slab of ribs to eat, stick burner pit because I'm burning real wood on it, and it's getting that authentic smoke. And I used hickory wood, taste that tasted phenomenal. Got my smokehouse seasoned up. It smells like a smokehouse now after it does. just a couple of cooks. It does. And in um, a good way. In not, a great, yes. Yeah. yeah, you know, like you walk in, if you've ever been to one of those restaurants, you walk in and you can just smell. That's the way it, the smell's starting to get. And you just can't get that not burning real wood. Yeah. And so it makes authentic barbecue. And is it Texas style? Yeah, I would say so. Because when I first started seeing anything about wrapping something in butcher paper, I always thought butcher paper was like what you brought home from the grocery store. They wrap raw yeah. meat up in, or they had the freezer paper version that you could freeze meat in. That was butcher paper to me. Yeah. I didn't know anything about this. You would see people call it pink or peach butcher paper. And in Texas, they use it to wrap briskets. And I guess it's just been, it probably comes from the German influence over there, those markets, like, you know, the ones I like Kreitz Market and, you know, Schmidt's and places like that, where those are old school barbecue institutions in Texas. I'm sure they brought they some of that. They have German origin. They brought some of that market style to the to the brisket gotcha. or to barbecue yeah. and started wrapping and stuff like that it's, it, i don't know if it's cheaper than foil I ha- that was one of my questions for you probably probably not i Depends would think on how, but Depends, where you get yeah, yeah yeah 
Because butcher paper is pretty, it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, we have some that we've had labeled that we use, and it's not cheap. It's not a cheap product. It does last a very, but long it lasts time. a long time. Um, the advantage of it to me is when you wrap something in aluminum foil, it's steaming inside that full packet. You're trapping every bit of moisture, every bit of rendered fat. Anything you put in there is staying in that foil, so the meat's just kind of steaming. Uh, almost, you know, roasting inside that package. Well, when you wrap it up in butcher paper, butcher paper protects it. Like it doesn't let it get overly smoked or, you know, over too much heat on it. So you get some of that and it, it, but it also absorbs a lot of the moisture that's cooking out of the meat. And so it gets in the paper, the paper is kind of porous. And so it, it, you know, it sponges it a little bit. It don't get all of it, but it gets a lot of it. And so it allows smoke to penetrate it a little bit, so you still get some smoke flavor. It it protects your meat from drying out because it is holding that moisture against the paper, so it's not going to dry out as bad, which helps you. And it just makes a, a beautiful bark Does it on help the outside. It tenderize like uh, you get. You're going to get some because it is holding some heat in, being wrapped up, you know, kind of tight. But it's not pressuring as much as it would, like breaking it down as yeah. much as it would as if it was wrapped up tight and full. Or plastic wrapping full, something, some way like that. So I, I mean, personally, I think it works fantastic, and it gives me the bark I want. Now, I've done it a couple different ways, especially when doing ribs. You know, when we wrap ribs. Usually, they're going down in the full. You know, we're we're kind of cooking them meat down the whole time. Bone up meat bone, down. Yeah, bone up meat down. They're getting really tender. I mean, you're cooking them, you're breaking them down. And well, essentially, all your juices are running to the bottom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the juices pulling in the bottom, the meat setting down in it. It's cooking. You lose, you lose a lot of that seasoning that you worked hard to kind of build the bark on because you're putting it in so much moisture, um, and so it just kind of you know steams it off a little bit. Uh, when you do it in paper, it doesn't do it as bad. Now, if you flip the meat over and go meat down in paper, you're going to get more. Uh, of a wash off than you would because you got to think that all the meat juice is coming to the bottom, trying to get in the paper from the bottom, but it's sitting in some of it. And so it's going to take some of it off too. So what I figured was if I go meat up, I preserve my bark. So that's, and and usually that's how I've always, you know, done ribs in there. Just go meat up with them. If you want, if you really want that nice texture on top. Yeah. To keep that bark. Yeah. And I mean, you could season in the the ribs. You could season them anyway. You know, like most people think of Texas barbecue, they think of that pepper, pepper and salt crust. That's about all a lot of those places use the old fashioned places. Well, I mean, you know, being nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. No, I love a good salt pepper rib, but I like some color on them too. I like to give my ribs that mahogany look, so I use some barbecue rub. I used my hot rub, kind of keeping away from the sugars a little bit. I wanted a little spice. I wanted some of that color, and I wanted you know. That it's good got a savory, good savory note. note savory too, note. Yeah. That's what that's what I like because it it goes with the pork so good. I mean, when you're tasting it first, to me, you you know, you take a bite of it, you're probably smelling the smoke first because the meat's been smoked, and then you taste it. So you get a little bit of that hickory flavor, but then you get the pork, the real rich flavor, and then you get that balance from the salt and the pepper, a little bit of spice, you know, a little bit a little bit of tingle, but not bad. It's not like it's a hot rib, mm-hmm. and that just that flavor there to me is you know, it's outstanding. Um. So when did you start playing with wrapping ribs and butcher paper? Like when did you? I mean, well, first of all, did you always wrap your ribs? Yeah, we've always. Well, I mean, there's a, like when I used to cook on the backwoods, a water cooker. You don't have to wrap ribs. Yeah, and so that was well, times you get away them? from. We, I mean, we did because 
In comps, we did. We always wrapped because yeah. you're trying to get maximum flavor in there, and that allows you to add some richness by the butters, add the sweetness and from your honeys, get the little peppery flavor from whatever version of a hot sauce you put in it, whether it's a pepper jelly or a tiger sauce or a rib candy or something like that. It's got some heat to it. So we're putting all those elements in a competition rib. Well, I mean, eating rib at home, you don't really do that. And, and when you're wrapping butcher paper, you wouldn't want to put butter and or the margarine uh-huh. or any of that stuff on them because it's just too much for the paper. It's going to sog out. The paper can only absorb so much. You're going you're to mess. You're working against your whole Working premise. against it, yeah. yeah. And I've never, I mean, I've never honestly tried to do like a comp rib in butcher paper. I just didn't ever see the point in putting all that stuff because to me, I'm wanting to keep the bark that I've got the whole time. Yeah. If you're using butcher pepper, you're going for a different style rib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, they'll like, you'll cook, say they cook the briskets pretty much done, and they just wrap them at the very end. They're wrapping them to hold. So there's, you know, there's some people that do that with the yeah. butcher pepper too. But the first place I saw is when you started seeing cooking shows showing, you know, these Texas barbecue joints, and they would have stuff wrapped up in, in paper. And then Franklin came out with his first book and kind of showing the technique, that Texas style how people used butcher paper and I think that's when you first started seeing it kind of spread. There wasn't there wasn't many places to buy it from. Like I think I got it from Amazon. Yeah, the we first had to time. source it yeah. when we started using it years ago. Yeah, you, and I just had to buy the roll of it yeah. and hoping it was the same the right stuff because it wasn't a big thing, you know. Now you're seeing people that come out with their own line of it. They even sell it like at Academy. Yeah. You can find it. I don't think it's in grocery stores yet. I hadn't seen it. I don't know. I mean, they got but I wouldn't. And- but I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing yeah, it, like especially too. in the grilling section, like Reynolds or one of these other companies that would come up. It's people that make a parchment paper. I don't know why they don't make a butcher paper for grilling. Yeah. Just call it it's, grilling yeah. paper or whatever. I want to say that uh, Reynolds did come out with a butcher paper. They may. might have thought the, about that. Yeah, like, they may have. I don't know. I've, I mean, since we we sourced it from a company down in Florida, where every, pretty much everybody does that I that I know, and they, I mean, you have to buy like pallets of it. It's not like you can give me ten rolls. I mean, you got to buy loads <laughs> yeah. of it. But I mean, but, Traeger has their own. Gorilla has yeah, their own. yeah, yeah. All these grills have their own. Have their yeah, own. You yeah. can buy them, and I'm sure Camp Chef, Pit Boss, everybody's yeah. got their own paper now. Um, but it works, and it's. I mean, I like using it, but I use it for other stuff too. I don't just use it for cooking. Like when meat comes off, I'll put it on a put it on a sheet pan and serve on it. You see that a lot of times out in Texas. They they get the barbecue on trays. You know, it's not all individually wrapped up. They serve it on a uh, like a sheet pan tray with butcher paper over it. I use it for prep. A lot of times, I'll throw that out on my cutting board just to put meat on and stuff. So there's you know it's got other uh, options other than just wrapping some meat on the grill. Would you ever use butcher paper in a competition? I don't think so. Um, just because, you know, it's, I mean, especially for brisket and for ribs and for pork butt, you know, that's in competitions, it's kind of more about the sauce and the flavors you're getting on it. And it's not so much about a good hard bark. Yeah. Like that would get you counted down at a contest if you, if you turned in just that Texas style bark. Um, so, I mean, and, and not that you couldn't go back and glaze something. But you're not, you know, you're not really able to add the butter to get that richness in there. I think it just takes away from it. Uh, most of the time in comps, uh, we're looking to speed the cook up a little because we're on a tight time frame. So if aluminum foil helps you with that. Butcher paper is kind of that low and slow, or, you know, not low and slow, but it's slower method of getting there. So, so 
is there a different way to cook with butcher paper and foil? Like if you're cooking ribs, or is your time and temps and things going to change? How I would just think wrap time. Wrap time would, would be a little longer. Okay. But a lot of times with the butcher paper, I don't wrap near as soon as I would with the aluminum foil. Okay. Because, you know, I'm looking at that once 155, 160 on most things in, when I wrap in full. Because we're just setting that color. We're setting our bark pretty fast, and then we're getting it tender. And it's spending more time in that foil. With butcher paper, I'm pushing it. Like you said, I, I wrapped those ribs when I probed them. Um, they were like 170-something yeah. right there. And so that's a little, you know, that's probably 10 degrees further when I normally wrap them. And I've seen some people say they don't wrap till they're like 180. They're waiting on that stall. So, you know, uh, it changes a little bit of the technique. Um, I probably could have, I mean, you could have wrapped them a little earlier than I did. Yeah. But, I mean, I think you get a little bit better bark to let it push out. You just want to catch them before they get too dark. That's my thing when I wrap with butcher paper. I'm pushing it up to that envelope where everything's real pretty dark mahogany, yeah. but not turning black. Those were beautiful. When oh, yeah. When I pulled wrap, them out, yeah. they, were, they were really gorgeous. Um, so which would you – what so What do you think is better, full butcher paper or no wrap? Um, I don't think one's better than the other. I think they all have their place. I mean, me personally, if I just want to make me some good eating ribs, I'm probably just going to wrap them up some butcher paper. But, I mean, if I had all day and wanted to just take my time cooking them and spray them or baste them a lot, I'd probably go no wrap. And then if I'm trying to get a bunch of ribs done and I'm really wanting them to be fall off the bone super tender, I'm going to wrap them up. So there's no right or wrong place to use either one. It's kind of just preference. What what kind of texture kind you, of you want, want on your seat. Yeah. Outcome. Uh, will the butcher paper help you get through the stall like a full wheel? Um, not as much. I'm sure it helps some, but it doesn't. Like fulls holding everything in there and really yeah. pressuring it. Uh, butcher paper's not going to do that as much. What do you think's easier? Full all day long. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, just aluminum full, it's, it's cheap, it's thin. You can layer it up. You can form it to whatever shape you yeah. want. It wraps up nice and tight. And, it's easy to get know, rid of. It's easy to get rid of. Yeah. It's not as messy. <laughs> you, can't, you can't reburn that full, that butcher paper. You can use it to start your fire. It's soaked up all that meat juice. You can just use it like a little tumbleweed and just wad up some of it, <laughs> yeah. throw it in there and light it. And it's going to, it's like, you know, take a paper towel and, and vegetable oil or something. Yeah. It's going to work in that same effect. Probably so I see a lot of those, a lot of those guys do that. They'll have like an old metal ash tub or something. Yeah. And they'll take those butcher paper wrappers and dump out any juice that might have accumulated, but let the soaked paper go down on that little pail. And that's what they'll start their pits with. Smart. Yeah. Little upcycle. <laughs> upcycle. <laughs> or just two for one, I guess. Yeah, you know? two for one. Um so when you cooked these ribs, you started them off kind of low. Yeah. Lower than normal. And then you cranked them up halfway through the cook. I did. Did you I, crank them up when you wrapped? Is that I just kinda let it you kinda let, I let it slowly. the pit dictate what it wanted to do and I I did keep it checked back for like the first hour or so. Why? So I brought it up slow. And you're not going to hold, like, I'm not going to hold that outlaw at 225. It just don't want to breathe. It don't want to get good airflow at 225. And so it likes it likes to go to 275. That's its preferred where it wants to roll. And that's what most stick burners run true at. But I checked it back and just controlled the, the exhaust vent a little more to hold it in that smoke temperature because I really wanted to let the meat hang out at a lower temp in the smoke so it could absorb it more. Because when it's higher heat, you're not getting as much smoke penetration. 
smoke's rolling over it. Uh, you know, the heat's air's flowing through there a lot. But when you got it choked back just a little bit, I'm getting smoke time on that meat a little bit more. It's not as harsh a heat. So those pores in the in the ribs will just absorb it. So and it makes a real pretty smoke ring that way too. I mean, it, you really get the flavor. And then as the cook goes, I kind of let it creep. And it really, I mean, I don't get caught up on the dial a whole lot. Like I know that if I get my cold bed right and I'm adding a split about every 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the size of the split you're using, so I, that day – I had some bigger ones and I only burned like three pieces of wood that whole cook because I got a long burn time. The first one, the first two, you know, I got nearly three hours out of now that second one, just to finish it out, you know, it was, it was, I was, had it gapped open just a little bit more. So I had a little more airflow and I let it creep up to 275. It was a little, it, it got a hair over. If it gets 300, I don't care. I know it's going to, as those BTUs play out a little, it's going to taper back down. You just don't want it open enough to where it's going to go to 450, 500. Yeah. That's the key with it. So you kind of learn your pit and know where to set your intake vent. You know about the size of fire it's going to run and you use your exhaust vent to control it. That's the easiest way. And if you looked on that outlaw, like when that dial, it's wide open at the 6 o'clock position. That would be pointed straight down. But at the 3 o'clock position, it's completely shut off, the little uh, butterfly valve in it. And so it doesn't have much play there. And I had it just probably at like maybe at, not even at 4 o'clock. I mean, just barely bumped open to stay there at 225, 250. And then I bumped it to about 4 o'clock, if that makes sense to yeah, you, yeah, how yeah. to get it to run just at 275. And that's usually where I let it stay the whole time. And now I noticed indoors, it runs a lot smoother. What do you mean indoors? Well, in the in my screened-in cooking area at Smokehouse, there's no battling – wind or anything from outside so it just ran true and, I, and uh mark was over there with me the first time we were cooking on it i said man i can't i can't believe how smooth this pit's running in here and i, and I guess it's just because there's no wind blowing over the top of it there's no wind blowing in the exhaust vent because it's inside it's kind of contained so that was our first video inside this new smokehouse first one we released on, yeah first one we released yeah, yeah we did a little filming with gorilla and those videos are still, they still getting produced. Yeah, but yeah, th- this was the first one that we shot and released there. How does it feel uh, filming in your new smokehouse? I will say this: it was probably, I don't know, ninety five degrees that day. Yeah, we were filming, and I was like, I could film all day. There was no <laughs> heat that was too much. I mean, it was it was warm outside in the little screened in area. Yeah, but I, but. That's why we built this indoor area, outdoor area. So I can just step right inside and season everything. Absolutely zero flies. But did you, did you notice when I opened that screen door, how many flies were on that porch wanting to get in? No, Like no. they were outside the screened-in area, but they didn't get in the screened-in area either. Yeah. So it's working. And that was, you know, my big thing was why I need an inside place. If we're going to keep continue to film videos and, you know, do this year-round, we needed a really good covered place that had, you know, an outdoor feel to it. So that's the outside smokehouse. And then an inside place that we could control the lighting. We could control the temperature. I, mean, I can get it down to a reefer. I can get that AC ginning in there. It gets cold. <laughs> that little so I'm going to get y'all some jackets while I'm up there <laughs> filming and sweating. But it makes such a big difference being comfortable doing it. That that is what I was like. I was like, man, why do we wait so long? I've been filming know. outside and having to, you know, just – take breaks and oh, the cameras to, overheat. I mean, that's it's crazy yeah. that at our house, um, 
the what are we using those Canon R six R sixes those and shooting at four K they can't I mean you overheat them when it gets above eighty degrees outside you can't be in any direct sun hardly um, and then they get those cameras get hot and there's been times Tyler we've just had to stop and let the cameras cool off yeah. And or, we're not having to do that. Or hold uh, umbrellas above Or hold umbrellas above so it or put a tent up. Yeah. We've or, so, and if it's raining, we can't film at the house or anything. Yeah. So here, like, the, it takes the elements out of the yeah. equation for us. I've noticed it with my pits right away, especially the stick burner. That's not going to affect the pellet grills and stuff um, because, the, you know, the wind don't really bother them. But the, any other grills that I do, it will. But it's coming along. When I mean, we don't have it completely, completely decorated, no, but we've got we it to where kinda, we can film in it now. We're still working on lighting and sound. We yeah, got a little it, echo and stuff, but the I, more stuff you get in there, like we got to get some rugs and some stuff on the walls. Rugs for your smokehouse. Well, I mean, you just gotta have something to keep the <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the sound from. You know, you want to stop it from bouncing. Oh, I've I've um, I'm in full decorator mode right now. <laughs> I can't wait. Got got a, got a lot of good ideas. How's that evac system working for you? It's working great. Uh, it takes it about, you know, once it gets ginning, I don't know. When I fired the pit up, what did it take it? Less than five minutes to kind of clear it out? It That's doesn't take long. Bad. It doesn't take long. I'll tell you what, the uh, pellet grill fire up produced more smoke in there than the stick burner did. But that was a first burn, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was initial burn yeah. in on one. But it clears it out. I mean, you can't run the fan and the smoky vac. Because they work against each other. And then I tried reversing the fan so it would pull it up to the evac. And it just uh, pulls it up too fast. So it's re- it's better just to shut the fan off, let the evac pull everything out, and then turn your fan back on. It's kind of what I've learned. I'm excited to go down there. I haven't been down there yet. <laughs> so, yeah, Tyler, you hadn't seen it. You hadn't seen it. It's pretty. I know, like, I think everybody else has seen it, but you. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I was out with the baby, but the. It looks beautiful. Like, I think the video turned out yeah. awesome, and we really hope y'all like it. Uh, yeah. Um, it's I'm, ready be to f- much, I'm ready to film much, some more. Yeah, it's going to be much more. I feel like you enjoy filming more. Yeah. W- when you have it. I mean, maybe it's just because it's new. Yeah. Give me a year and see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I feel better about someone coming. Like, we, you know, if somebody wants to come film with me or something yes. like that, we got a spot now. Yes. You know, it's not just. Before, in the backyard at the yeah. house, you know. Before it's like I got to get the house cleaned up. Yeah, <laughs> and then they're co- you know you got a whole crew inside your house, and then it's like, well, you can come stay in our weird guest uh, bedroom. Yeah, yeah upstairs that the cat might be in <laughs> when you're not <laughs> the cat room. Yeah, now we have a place that's just comfortable. You don't feel like you're in somebody's home, and you know yeah. we got an extra bedroom we can put them up in. It's just really good. So who do you have any people on your list that you're interested in getting to come film? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I definitely do. You don't want to, you say want me to drop that? names? <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want to. I can tell you, I, I want my first one. I'd like to see, I'd like for us to get Tuffy Stone. Yeah, I've talked to Tuffy about it. I've talked to Stern, Big Papa. He's a, I may, yeah. I may get him to swing through there this fall. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to several people that might, uh, might drop in so okay I, I like the idea of having them come in and come down there we're wanting to put a little podcast spot down there so we can do a podcast and get some filming oh, yeah. 
I got Russell, Russell Wright. He's going to come and, and uh, show me how to make Brunswick stew the Georgia way. We do not have a Brunswick stew recipe. I, th- I thought I did one like years ago. Yeah, but we just kind of took a picture and you put up a recipe. We didn't do like a video. Or oh, anything. that was, yeah, okay. Yeah, I hadn't done, that's a, Brunswick stew some good stuff. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think of eating it in the summertime. Like to me, that's a, that's a wintertime dish. Yeah, it's like so hard. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to have to do that, learn how to do that the right way. The right way. Um, Russell right way. (laughs) (laughs) See what you did there. (laughs) Um, You also did molasses baked beans. A recipe for that. Yeah, I did. Those turned out really good. Man, that's an old, you know, that's probably the first way I ever learned to make baked beans. And my mom taught me how to do it. She always just used molasses, cheap craft barbecue sauce. Like whatever barbecue sauce was on sale is what we had at my house growing up. Yep. There was no, you know, five, six dollar sauce bottles. Oh, no. There was no restaurant think, bottles or yeah. anything like that. I don't that. think they had them back then, did they? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I remember like Kraft, Casey Masterpiece, Cattleman's, Balls, Cattleman's. Yeah. That was about, that was about all I really. And then like some generic store brand. Yeah, there's always something like yeah. that. But Kraft was probably the big one. I guess you had Sweet Baby Ray's. But that wasn't really big in the South at, at the time uh-uh. growing up. And I remember when Sweet Bay Race kind of came on, but I was older. Yeah. But initially, it was just a 75-cent bottle of Kraft, <laughs> original or brown sugar or molasses. But we always had molasses. My dad loves, like, molasses and biscuits, something he grew up eating. And so we always had this, like, old – it wasn't like the jar like I found. But would I have grandma's molasses? Yeah. My dad would not have liked that. Because <laughs> that's not – like, he likes – the homemade ones. They the, come in like a paint can. Yeah. You got to use a screwdriver or a butter knife to pry the lid off, and that's how you eat molasses. Like the kind they serve at Lambert's restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's a little paint can, but it yeah. is a paint can. Yeah, it's yeah. a paint can. I mean, it's like a pint paint can. Yeah. But that's how they're supposed to be. And uh, so that's what they would put in baked beans instead of brown sugar. And my mom always, like, um, sometimes she would chop up some vegetables in it. You would have onions and peppers and stuff like that. But not always, if it was just an easy baked bean. But she always put bacon on top of them. And so I, as a kid, I didn't appreciate the bacon. I was like, well, you want that raw bacon in there? You know, it's not cooking. I was, cause I always thought bacon was supposed to be fried and crispy, you know? You've always fought me on putting bacon, bacon but, in baked beans. But, but, I like, but I still do it. I just cook it a little bit first. Yeah. But <laughs> for these, I was going authentic and... Believe it or not, that bacon in those beans was absolutely delicious. It like melted in it your was, mouth. It yeah, you think he's got this old big piece of bacon? No, as you as you scooped it, it tore and blended in. But the and thing, it flavors the beans so that, well. That's all it's about. Yeah, that smoked bacon cooking down in those beans for two three hours. You know, there's no right or wrong way to put them in the oven or on a pit and cook them. Like they just hang out. Like you know, you're not going well. We got to cook beans today. <laughs> you know, it's just beans is something you do. To go with whatever else you're cooking. And you throw it on any pit. You throw it on any pit, any whatever temp. temp you're cooking at, <laughs> covered long, or non-covered. As long as you want, really. Just let them go. Yeah. <laughs> just let them go. And that's all I did. I mean, I, they, you, you did put the bacon on top. And yeah. Like, I, bacon on top and seasoned it with some rub. Which I like that because I feel like the bacon really gets cooked. It does. Yeah. It Question, does. Do you do like chunks of it or is no, it like strips. Just whole strips? I just yeah. put whole strips like over the, I had it in a casserole dish. And just put strips of bacon from one side to the other. What it held like 
five strip, five, six strips. Something like that. And it just kind of yeah. falls apart as you're kind of yeah. scooping yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. It cooked the, I mean, it, it draws down. I mean, bacon shrinks. Yeah. And then it just kind of folds in as you, you can stir it up at the end if you want to. I didn't. Yeah. But, you um, could because it looks As you got a piece or... of it, as you took your spoon, you could just get a little bit of the bacon and go right to it. I'm down. So it was just beans. It was real easy, like beans, barbecue sauce, molasses. Um, Bar- Did you put barbecue rub in it? Seat rub, yeah. Put rub in it. it was, that was about it. That's about it. Yeah. Maybe a little mustard. I forgot. Yeah, a little mustard. Yeah. yeah. There's no real. I don't remember. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now, but yeah. it was a simple, simple, easy as it gets bean recipe. There's really no bean recipe either. You just kind of don't. Yeah, and that's beans is what you got on hand. <laughs> now, the kicker for this one was stay true to my roots. Showboat pork and beans. Now, I don't know if a lot of people still eat pork and beans or buy good. pork and beans. But that's what we bought. Anytime we were having a barbecue, we bought pork and my dad always had pork and beans. Like he liked to eat them out of a can. Like he'd eat a bologna sandwich of pork and beans like with nothing. <laughs> We'd have them sometimes for dinner at night, just some pork and beans. That's so crazy. <laughs> but we didn't use Bush's baked beans yeah, back then, yeah. you know. It was straight pork and beans. And it's like a little white navy type bean and kind of a tomatoey sweet sauce almost. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. They make the best baked beans starting with them. And so even when we did contests, I always bought the big cans of the Showboat pork and beans. Yeah. I'm sure there's some other brands, but Showboat's the best. It's like the blue plate. It's the blue <laughs> show, Showboat is the blue plate of pork and beans. <laughs> Speaking of blue plate, it's the best mayonnaise on the planet. Have you ever put mayonnaise in your baked beans when they're done? Because I see, like, you're, you're a mayonnaise, totally you're certified mayonnaise eater. You got your card in your wallet and everything. <laughs> When you eat like black eyed peas for New Year's, you put a little blue plate mayo in it. You just it. put a little smidge. When you eat like brown beans, do you put mayo in brown beans, pinto beans? I'm not a big brown bean eater. Would you be opposed to putting Heck a no. dab of blue plate on your baked beans? Heck no. I would Creamifying them. I think barbecue sauce and mayonnaise go really, really well together. So why don't they make creamy, creamy barbecue sauce? They make creamy everything else. I mean, I guess that's your white barbecue sauce. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know what it'd be like. Just taking some barbecue sauce and mixing some mayonnaise in it. Pretty, pretty good. It's <laughs> a good experiment. Yeah. I'm down. I love it. Do it. <laughs> well, when I make my barbecue pulled pork sandwich, I put a little mayonnaise on it. Yeah. You eat coleslaw on barbecue sandwich. Let's say that's what got that's what you sold me on. I was like, I'll never put mayonnaise on my barbecue sandwich. I was like, like spread you, it on the bun. You do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, No, I don't. Who eats mayonnaise on a barbecue sandwich? She's like, You like coleslaw on it, don't you? And I was like, Gum, you're right. <laughs> What's <laughs> blue plate is in the coleslaw? Why is it not? And, and so I tried it, like smeared some on a bun. Man, it makes the best barbecue sandwich. <laughs> like even that, some black pepper, some pork, some hot sauce. You don't even need anything else. That's yeah, that's like really my when I if I'm making me a barbecue sandwich at home after I've cooked the pork butt. I don't like you know that's how I like to do. I like to pull the pork butt, pull out what I want for my sandwich, kind of special. <laughs> mayonnaise the bun black pepper pork and just hot sauce no barbecue sauce no vinegar sauce nothing just that no slaw i don't i don't, have, I don't need the slaw anymore if yeah. i got the mayonnaise on it Thank and it's good a little vinegar sauce on the side maybe yep. if you want to i don't even need that that's for rib dabbing but man, blue plate is the best mayonnaise on the planet if Is you're there? having mayonnaise this weekend, why not have blue plate? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love your little promos you threw in there. Quality since 1927. 
uses real eggs. Is it egg yolks or eggs? What is it? Egg yolks. Egg yolks. Yeah, okay. real egg yolks. Cheat sheet. Haven't, haven't changed the recipe since they started. Um. So the other day. Has a touch of sugar in it. <laughs> no nutritional value, but it's in there. Not enough to register. <laughs> the other day, you cooked some chicken thighs. Uh, yesterday, actually. I did. And you pulled them off the pit. I was doing something else. Didn't know what you did. And I tried. I was like, what you season this with? And you said it was just a 30-minute mar- marinade. 15-minute marinade is what it said. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> What's the difference in that to 30 minute? It was, I think it was like the Lowry's Teriyaki 15-minute marinade in a bottle. We were down at the smokehouse yesterday yeah. waiting on some furniture to be delivered. And Shell's like, what are we going to eat for lunch? And so you pulled out, you found some steaks or something. Yeah, we like, were pulling stuff out of the freezer. And it's like a mystery meat pack. It ended up being Denver steaks. But I was like, well, we got to have some for dinner. So I just cooked some chicken thighs. So I saw some boneless skinless thighs in there. I pulled them out. I was like, I ain't got time to thaw these out. Rock solid. Stuck them in the microwave. Did you? Defrost, two were pounds. They were they in like a The tray they food? came from the store. Oh, really? Just like we had took them and stuck them. I don't, I don't know. Were they not freezer burner? I didn't. They tasted delicious to me. <laughs> That's all I know. I didn't. I didn't. It was. If they would have been off, I wouldn't have cooked them. Yeah. But I put them in the microwave, and it put it like when I put two pounds on the defrost, it put it on like seventeen minutes or yeah, something like yeah. that. And I was like, I never thawed chicken in the microwave, but we're finna see. And so it got out, and it was still kind of icy a little bit. I could break them apart, so I yeah. got them out of the pack. I'm like, well, that worked pretty good. Ziploc bag, looked in the pantry, saw that marinade. I said, like, no, nah, it'll work. Dumped it in there. 12 minutes. I didn't even go the full 15. <laughs> Went outside, started a pellet grill. And I didn't even, this was pellet grill burn ass chicken. Yeah. Because I had it going for those little Denver steaks. And uh, put it on 350, took those out of the marinade, blotted them a little bit, put them right on the rack, spread them out, seasoned them with a little swine life prime beef. Don't ask me why. <laughs> I just like, well, it's got an umami flavor. Let's go with it. And I don't know, 40, 40 total minutes is all they took at 350. I turned them halfway and seasoned the backside, and then they were done. And, man, you you were you were surprised that they were that good, weren't you? Yeah, I was like, what what'd you season this with? It was so flavorful. It's, it's one of those accidents. like Yeah, this, you were just man, messing around. Yeah. We were going to have it with a salad. That's what we had for dinner last night. Yeah. Cut up. Chicken teriyaki on. style chicken thighs with a salad. Caesar salad. Caesar salad. <laughs> Combination worked. <laughs> it ain't always got to be lobster. <clears throat> well, we were just and the dipper steak was fire too. Now, yeah. Now this was some Kevin's from the butcher shop down in Pensacola's uh, Denver steaks, and they had been in that package. And I don't know how they ended up at Deer Camp. Um, but they I wasn't even sure what it was. I wasn't either until I, until I, I got like, thought it, out. It's not a ribeye. Yeah. And I was like, it's not a. It's it was two perfect pieces of Denver yeah. steak. And I was like, which but is it's marbled. Yeah. yeah. I could tell it was, it was marbled. But. So I I kind of did a number on them. I did like Willingham, some Swine Life, How'd some you Hot Rub. I kind of thought know. it in water. They were in the sink and, yeah, yeah. in about two inches of water in a, in a vacuum seal pack. I just took them out of that pack and kind of patted them dry a little bit. And then just, and those, I was like, eh. They've been in this freezer for I don't know how long. I was expecting them to be taste freezer burnt. But. Which is like the worst flavor. Yeah, you could tell a pickup. But I hit them with Willinghams, let that melt in, which kind of, it's like a dry marinade almost. Swine Life, a little hot rub, and TX like a, to make a crust. And on all, I guess it's four sides of those steaks. Kinda. Yeah. Put them on that pellet grill at 350. 
was like, well, this may be a bust. But after about 20 minutes, I went out and looked at them. I was like, man, I flipped them over, and it was like sizzled up and they had great look. marks on it. And I, so I let them what roll on that side, 350. Up? But I put them up like right on the edge of the door. So they kind of get that flame coming out from under that diverter, heat oh, diverter. okay. And so That's it was kind of grilling. And those steaks aren't two inches wide. They're like little rectangles. Yeah. And so by the time they got to like, I don't know, 130, I pulled them off and just let them sit. And I called, the, went and got you. I was like, their steaks are done. And I sliced them up. And, man, those things would just melt in your mouth. They mi- would. Melt in your mouth. I'm talking like. They weren't that good, I don't think, when you know, when they were first put in the package. I don't know I don't know why they were that good. They were delicious. It was amazing. That was gonna ask you about cooking. That was another mistake. It's like it's, you never know grill. what you're gonna yeah. You never know what you're gonna figure out just doing something, you know, to be doing it. Yeah. That's all I was doing. You were putting together this little table and I was like, I'll throw something on the grill for lunch. Yeah. Um you do that a lot. You're like, let's see what happens if I do this. Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario, <laughs> throw it away, right? Yeah, you're always learning. Was, I I'm making freezer space. And that's the important part right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> Cook through the freezer. That's what I'm, that should be our <laughs> summer goal. <laughs> we need like, so you know how TikTok, what's the guy's name from Michigan, Michigan Barbecue Addicts? Where he's yeah, got, yeah, yeah. Spin He's the great. wheel. He does yeah. the spin the wheel thing for what's, uh, what's it called? It called? Spin roll for barbecue. Roll, roll for barbecue. barbecue. We could do that with a freezer. <laughs> you put everything you got on a wheel. And you go in there and you spin it and see what it is. That's what you're cooking. I got all the dice. Yeah, <laughs> we got to go in there and uh, itemize the. You freezer have to itemize first. the fr- You know that's really not a bad idea. Anyway, uh-huh. I would use more stuff if I had a list of it on the outside of the freezer, so I knew what I had. Because it's like a never-ending vault. <laughs> Of stuff. You put stuff down in there and it works its way towards the bottom and you forget it's in there. And because I have great intentions when I buy the stuff, I've got a good deal on it. You know, it looked like a good piece of meat, goes in the freezer. And then it's like when you get ready to cook something, well, I'll just run to the store and grab something. Yeah. I don't even think about, you know, checking what you that got. That tomahawk I got down in the bottom of the freezer or whatever. Yeah. Because you know, I got a good deal on it. Oh, you're the worst about that. Yeah. But if I knew it was in there and it was like on a list, Go down through there and say, "Oh, wow! You like as much as you like to prep. You think that'd be like?" I'm thinking. You like I'm to thinking. do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it let you know what you needed to buy too, because you scratched it off as you as you used it. And I'm sure there's like, some. We need more chicken breast. We yeah. need more pork loin, or you know, whatever. And I'm sure there's stuff in there that probably needs to go. It's like the seals. Been oh, I'm broken. sure there's fish in there from fishing trips three years ago that <laughs> yeah. we never got to. Yeah. I made a new rule on that. I'm not putting fish in the freezer when I'm on fishing trips. That's when we come back, we will eat fish for two weeks, however long it takes <laughs> to eat it. But it's so much better. Like, once you freeze it, it's not near as good. You won't cook it. Like, you put it in there and freeze it, and then I'm like, let's cook this fish. And you're like, eh, it ain't going to be any good. Because I know. I know how good it is fresh, and I don't want to cook so- <laughs> Well, let's get rid of Maybe it. Maybe it's going to be one of those things where we just try it and see. Maybe it is good. <laughs> hey. It- yeah. But... I asked you the whole chicken. Me bringing up the chicken um, thigh thing is. I asked you, what what makes a thirty minute marinade or a fifteen mar- minute mar- marinade so much more effective than just any other marinade? If I had to guess, just oh, top of my it. head, no knowing the yeah. amount of salt they put in it. <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> is it? It's probably saltier. Yeah, because you know I, you, I figured it was MSG, but what is it? Uh, salt. 
It's just that marinades only take 15 to 30 minutes. Well, I mean, so the thing with marinades is you're really not getting down in the meat. Yeah. You're just putting it on the outside. So you can just about put it on and let it sit a minute and take it off. You'll get about the same, or basting with it as it cooks, you'll get about the same effect. But those chicken thighs absorb that 15 minute marinade really good. Yeah. Well, they're thinner. Yeah. They're thinner, so you, thinner cuts of meat do better than a marinade, too. So um, even, so I did a bunch of research on marinades. You ready for it? I'm this ready. Is Shell's learning time. I love it. <laughs> so um, they found in a bunch of experiments that uh, even after letting the meat soak in a marinade for up to eight days, like they tried it at different levels, the it doesn't matter how long you let it marinate, the marinade will only penetrate less than one eighth of an inch into the meat. Mm-hmm. So if you got something big and thick, it's only going one eighth of an inch. If you got little chicken thighs, it's going yeah. one eighth. You ain't of an but inch. eighth of an inch, so we yeah. can go all the way through those. Huh? <laughs> That makes sense. So it only takes um, about, they're saying about 15 minutes, 15 really? to 20 minutes for any marinade. Maximum to, to maximum to work? Yeah, yeah. No matter the salt level? Yeah. It, so it's not that it's a, it's a marketing thing. It's not that it's any different marinade. Exactly. They're it's just, just they're just showing you you can marinate fast in yeah. fifteen minutes with this one, other than this thirty minute one sitting beside us. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the same the same ingredients. They'd say basically, marinade only needs to be on the meat long enough to cover all the surfaces what for if a few you minutes. Come up with a seven minute marinade. <laughs> <laughs> It'll work seven just minutes, as good. Seven. Let's do it. Like seven minute abs. <laughs> <laughs> what about six minute abs? <laughs> you don't get it, man. It's seven. <laughs> what movie's that from? Do you know what I'm talking about? So on that same like question that you're bringing up right now, I just watched a Google video. I don't know if you guys have seen it. So he cooks three different strips in the video, uh, or sorry, four. There's a control. There's one that like has, a New York strip. Yes, okay. New York strips are all New York strips. They're all the same. Uh, one of them he left in soy sauce for a day. One of them he leaves in soy sauce for a week, and one of them he leaves in soy sauce for thirty days. And oh my gosh! It so obviously. It dissolve the longer yeah. yeah you would think with the amount of sodium but no so it does get very very hard by the time you get to 30 days and the 30 day steak is literally like black like black is black that yeah. you can think of on a steak and he cooked them all and then fed it to his friends wanted him to try it i think he seasoned them mostly all the same except the soy sauce ones got less salt because he didn't want to kill anybody probably yeah um but so like a week was pretty good it wasn't too salty it was a little dark nothing crazy um, or sorry, that was a day. And then a week was like starting to get a little dark, starting to get a little bit uh, hard. And then the month was like hard as a brick, like super salty, crazy. Yeah, almost but, jerky did, I guess. Yeah. But like well, all the way through, like you go all the way in. And, and that might also have to do with the aging process as well. I imagine at 30 Imagine days. it just cured it. Yeah. Like totally cured it. Yeah. Well, see, that's – so uh, let me give you some facts here. Flavors will penetrate faster at room temperature than in the refrigerator. Um, so 15 minutes, something can set out, too. You don't have yep. to worry about it being in yep. danger zone. Salt is important because it can penetrate and season more deeply than any other ingredients. That's a fact. Um, but the marinades don't tenderize the meat. They can actually work against it, which is kind of... Why is that? So acid can tenderize <clears throat> meat, but the acid will tenderize what it touches. Since it doesn't touch all the parts of the meat, it will actually turn the outside of the meat mushy oh. and leave the inside firm. So that makes sense. But what about so they have these machines? It's like a vacuum marinator. Like have y'all seen them? It's like a speed marinator. Yeah, you put them yeah. in there, tumble them, and I have seen marinate that. stuff I, better. I, I don't. I didn't research that. I guess what that's doing is kind of tenderizing and marinating in some kind of way by tumbling it. They said the only way to really tenderize meat is 
uh, all the way is through mechanical ways. So yeah, either you know mallets, you know jacquards, jacquards or things like that. like that. Yeah, and there's three different types of marinades. You got an enzyme, which uh, is like your raw fruit, kiwi, pineapple based stuff, papaya, pineapple, kiwi, fig. Actually, is one too, and mango. What did all those have in common? They got a lot of bromelain. They have enzyme protease, which breaks down meat proteins. Um, and then you can um, dairy is actually another enzyme marinade. Buttermilk. Think of that. People marinating chicken and buttermilk. Yep. Yogurt. People doing yogurt yeah, too. Yeah, lamb and yogurt. I've heard of that. So that's an enzyme marinade too. Um, but enzymes uh, work overtime on your food and can turn them to jelly. Yeah. So you got to be that. careful with people. Vinegar will do that too. Does it say anything about people using? Like, okay, so there's an acidic marinade. That would be or vinegar. So that's your second in. type. Yeah. yeah, that's acids like lemon juice, vinegar. They break down the proteins to tenderize the meat, um, and it's actually the acid relaxes the proteins in the meat, which make it more tender. But if you let it go too long, it's going to get tough. Huh. I wonder where the soy sauce falls on that. I think mm. it's probably acidic. Yeah, I would think so. Acidic. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it was actually turning it tough. That yeah. makes sense. Then you got a dry marinade, which is the spices help disrupt the tissue, which helps infuse flavor into the meat. And I would say most of that salt and sugar makes yeah. that happen, yeah. too. Just your salt and sugar. So That's interesting. Three ways to marinate. Yeah. But the dry, idea, acidic, or enzyme. But the idea of marinating overnight, yeah. it's not really. Doesn't do you anything. Doesn't do yeah. you any good, supposedly. Do you believe that? Uh, yeah. yeah. Have you seen that? I mean, the only the only time I really marinate anything overnight was if I was really brining it. It's not marinating. Yeah, different concentration using a lot of water in it. That's where I think for long uh, and you get and you get better flavor throughout the meat in a brine. But a marinade's usually I think of it as something I would do maybe a couple hours at the most. Yeah, you know I've done like I've done that. Like when we do deer meat or duck or some you know even those. Burn-ass chicken thighs. I'll throw them in that Italian dressing and just let them hang out for a couple hours. I have left them in that overnight. I don't know if it does any better or worse. And it might be uh, helping to tenderize the meat in look, that time. Those and those cuts are so thin sliced, too, that it's not, you know, there's not a whole lot of meat there to begin with. I think that's your you best know. cuts to marinate. Yeah. Really. yeah, it really is. The thinner cuts. I mean, you think about it, like when you do fajita-style steak or, or, or carne asada, you know, a lot of times those are going in heavy marinades or – um, you know, denser cuts of stuff like that. Um, some of the Japanese steak that, you know, we cook like uh, stir fry meat and stuff. We, we marinate that typically and, you know, to get the different flavors in it. And I think it works better in your favor for thin cuts or strips of meat or something like that. Yeah. Than it does trying to throw a whole steak in a marinade and, you know, thinking you're going to do something with it. Like I've seen people, they'll, you know, cover a pig filet and like, Dales or something yeah. like that. It just ends up getting salty and it doesn't get any more flavor down deep in, in, in the filet. You know, it's so dense. Just wasting it. Wasting marinade, really. Yeah. When you could baste with it and get the same effect. Maybe better. Maybe, yeah. Uh, somebody on the community asked, "Would should you marinate a brisket or not? I wouldn't. Yeah. Have you ever? Uh, you can remember. You've done Cousin Bob used to marinate them. <laughs> he did a four or five day marinade <laughs> on a whole brisket. On a whole brisket, yeah. That's how when he first showed up with the brisket, it come in this big Tupperware tub. 
It had all kinds of stuff in there. It was floating in it. <laughs> hey, he won. He did. Used it as a pillow, too. <laughs> he couldn't re- reproduce that brisket if he wanted uh, to. But it was a marinade. No, I've never really marinated one. I guess we always inject them in contests, so we're putting yeah. them, we're putting it inside. And then if you called it a dry marinade, yeah, because we are putting our seasoning on it pretty early and letting it sit for a while, too. So it's a dry marinade, and it's starting to pull out some moisture stuff from the outside and working some of that seasoning on the inside. But It was injection, just a marinade from the inside out? Kind of. I mean, you think about it, it really is. Yeah. You're putting a marinade inside the meat. Um, with the needle and you usually out, let so. it hang out for yeah. at least 30 45 minutes before you start cooking it usually yeah you're giving it time to so it train. kind of is it kind of is marinated from the inside with being injection yeah that's what i would think of it as being i never thought about it that way well mount that's all i have for you today well are you ready to go shoot them uh fireworks i am we stopped at boomland on the way back from st louis let michael get some fireworks let michael get some fireworks <laughs> You were the one pushing the buggy with the big smile on your face. It's like a kid in a candy store. That one's a big one over there, Michael. Let's go, let's go look at that. They were all big. They're like suitcases. That's all it was. That's that's just little firecrackers. <laughs> they didn't have any cute little firecrackers. <laughs> no, we got some big boys. I can't wait to blow them up. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Probably going to cook some stuff this weekend. I ain't really made a plan. Yeah, I need to make. I kind of need to sit down and make a plan this afternoon. Haven't been to the store, so it might be freezer cooking. Well, maybe we we'll go inventory everything. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> Cook. Yeah, there was no butts at Walmart two days ago. So. Really? really? Oh man, yeah. lots of ribs, no butts though. Oh. Hey, right. everybody, cook ribs. Get you some butcher paper. We got it at the shop. If y'all are local, and come by and get some. We sell it's it. Probably in- too late to. I don't know where you can find some in the academy. Maybe. Yeah, it's, uh, we sell it in six foot sections. Yeah, you don't have to buy the big <laughs> roll if you don't want to. Yeah. You just want to wrap one brisket. Zero commitment, but your paper. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Zero commitment. <laughs> you don't need 300 yards. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's about it. Just uh, everybody have a safe and happy 4th of July. Fire those grills up. It's a huge grilling holiday. So um, we'll see a lot of great pictures. Y'all tag us. Get in that community and you know, share some We got a giveaway going stuff. on. Oh, is there, what's when going will on? will it be over? Giveaway's over if you're listening to this right okay. now, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure there will be more coming up. So if you guys are interested, make sure you guys head over, on over to Facebook and it's facebook.com forward slash group forward slash H2Q community and join us up. And like like you say, and post your pictures this weekend. We love seeing them and ask questions and all that good stuff. Hey, is the Palmer thing up running live? Oh, I f- completely forgot about that. Yeah, so um, we're giving away a outlaw stick burner and a lesson from Malcolm and the How to Barbecue Right uh, crew on how to cook on this. Very nice. But you got to come get it. $5,000 yeah, cooker. It's more than that, probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, so we're giving that away. If you're interested, go to howtobarbecuerite.com forward slash Palmer, P-A-L-M-E-R. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate everybody supporting the Palmer. <laughs> Spaced out there. Because I was yeah. thinking about... Are we doing this at the smokehouse? That would be really cool if people got to come and learn to cook on the on the pit at the smokehouse. I really think we're going to start doing more uh, hospitality at the smokehouse, entertaining at the smokehouse. I like it. It's pretty no, that's cool be fun. setup yeah. down there. So y'all go to the Palmer Home and check out. And uh, if you'd like to donate to to get in the, I don't know, are they giving it away to whoever raises the most? Yes. The way that thing works is you, you can make a one time donation, or you can set up and make like a 
become uh, a fundraiser. Become a fundraiser yourself and then get other people to donate for your cause for it. And I guess whoever does the most is going to get the pit. So Yeah. And we're giving a, a second place and third place. Prize yeah. Away. Yeah. There's going to be other stuff too, but that's just the grand, grand prize. That's the, the grand game. prize. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's how to BBQ right on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and of course YouTube. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram. All right, well, y'all have a happy Fourth of July, Tyler. We're gone. <laughs> <laughs>